Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Searching for Political Identity. It is your host, Brian Escal. Thank you so much for being here. And let me just tell you, before I let the audio roll for episode 77, which is a conversation between myself and a transgender woman about trans issues, right? Trans rights. And um, as it turns out, the concept of our conversation was where do we draw the lines? How do we draw the lines in society and make the laws with regard to sports and bathrooms and puberty blockers and hormones for children, all these controversial and topical topics. So it was great to talk to this person. But before I play that audio, what I'd like to do is just give you a 30 second recap of where I've been the last three episodes. So, really quickly, episode 74, I spoke to an attorney named Spencer Bishens. He worked at the Social Security Administration for 10 years and wrote a book uh, called Social Security Disability Revealed. So we talked about his experience and what led to the writing of that book. Episode 75, I spoke to a woman named Claire Campos O'Neill. She ran for a state representative in Texas recently and did not win, but it, her experience caused her to start a podcast called Go Behind the Ballot, where she talks about... Texas politics, and she's a progressive, and it was a great conversation. And then last week, I spoke to a guy who just impressed me so much, Connor Boyack. He uh, started a think tank. I mean, who starts a think tank? He's 40 years old, and you just have to listen. He's basically a libertarian, but he's very clear-minded about it. And, you know, I'm looking for that. I'm searching for political identity, and I'm looking for people to guide me. And uh, he was quite a resource, so you really should check that episode out. But what are we here for today? The main event for tonight. This conversation between me and this transgender woman, let me just set it up for you. I must admit that I tweeted something a couple weeks ago that was probably inappropriate. And I, I won't run from it. I'll tell you what I said. I tweeted the question, is it healthy to allow trans people to transition? Okay, that's a very controversially worded question. It's a very rudely worded question. Um, I, I very well may have crossed the line. In fact, I actually apologized for it. I apologized for it. Now, it got a lot of uh, comments, mostly hateful towards me, basically. But one of the people that commented was this trans woman, Angela. And we got into a respectful exchange, and we were DMing. Next thing you know, she's, uh, we, we coordinated and got her on my, we said, let's get you on my podcast. Now, at the time, these guys from rallydebates.com and I have been in touch, and they said, hey, we'd love to, let's get you doing some more debates. And I, I'm happy to do it. They have an amazing software that uh, facilitates a debate, no moderator needed. Boom, 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 you know, all techie and sets everything up perfect. Problem is for me, I'm searching for political identity. I'm not in a position to debate right now. I'm searching, you know? Nonetheless, I said, yeah, let's do it. And uh, Angela agreed. And I hesitate to describe all this because I really wish I just had a conversation with her. And in fact, we are going to do that coming up in like a week or two. She and I are going to talk and you're going to hear it but for now what this is is actually our debate so 
we, you know, I had to set it up as a debate. Well, I didn't have to, but that's what I did. I said, okay, let's do with Angela. So I'm going to let it roll now. And it's just a conversation and debate form, kind of. Mostly ended up just being a conversation, but um, I am looking forward to having a real long form chat with her very soon. But for now, enjoy what came of our quote unquote debate. So this is my one minute intro. Angela, thank you for joining me. Um, I like to use 10, 20 seconds or so of my intro to thank my guest. This is only like the third or fourth time that I've used this platform rally debates. I do like it. So I want to thank you, Angela, for joining me. Uh, it's nice to meet you. And for the audience, this is the first time we've ever spoken. We've tweeted, DM'd a couple times, but we're here to debate where to draw the lines in society in terms of accepting the trans community. And I'll just say with my remaining 25 seconds that you know, I had my experience growing up. It was a comfortable, safe, white suburban experience, you might call it. And I know the world is a lot bigger than that experience. And I'm an open-minded guy, believe me. Um, but I think there is a fair question when I look, survey the news as to where we should draw the lines. And so when we're talking about hormone therapy for children and sports, bathrooms, these are the things I hope we can get into in the next 20 minutes or so. Okay, so I'm Angela Bridgman, and I am a transgender woman. I had my surgery in 2002, and I'm just going to say that I'd like to talk about where we draw the lines and how the rest of society treats us, because I'm going to tell you, you have never sat in the Senate, in the gallery of your own state Senate and listened to your state representatives literally imply that because you are transgender, you are a pedophile and a predator and you are dangerous. I am telling you, you do not know the pain that those people caused me. And not a single one of them stood up to contradict the statements that were being made on the floor about people like me. Not a one. So I'd like to talk about how where we draw the lines on how we are treated by society. So what happened? So what time? What year was that? This was in 2016 during the HB2 debate in North Carolina. And since you brought up bathrooms, it was a perfect uh, thing to, to start off with. Go for it. Tell me a little bit about that time and then we'll get All right, into well, it. Well, let me let me let me let me ask you this first. I'm 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 gonna totally throw you a curveball here. Go ahead. How do you feel about gun control? You think we ought to take away everybody's guns? No. And why not? Because there is a strongly worded Second Amendment. And uh, to me, that simply means, uh, well, it's clear to, to me, it means that you can't just simply take away all guns. Is there a question of where you should draw the line on that? Uh, there is a question of line drawing, even for a, such a strong and clearly worded amendment. So... Uh, we should draw lines, but take away all guns. No, it's just, you just can't do that okay. with the Second right. Amendment there. All right, now, so uh, the people that would oppose more gun control regulation, they use as their argument, well, that criminals don't obey the law and that therefore only criminals will have guns. You've heard this before, am I right? Sure, sure. All right, so. Among other things, yes. Okay, now, right. can we agree that sexual predators and pedophiles are by definition criminals. Can we agree on that? Yes. Now, yes, absolutely. Now, how does a law like HB2 protect anybody? 
criminals won't obey the law. No, criminals are not going to obey HB2 because our state legislature would like them to. They're not going to obey the law because society would... What was like HB2? Them. Tell me about HB2. That was, was the law that said that we could only use bathrooms in accordance with the birth certificate, uh, our designation on our birth certificate. Now, I can tell you that personally, when this happened, I was post-operative for 15 years. Right. I had not gone about getting my birth certificate. Or changed. 14, because you were you got the surgery in 22. Right. I know you're right, 14. Okay, my apologies. I'm listening. But I know you better I, than yourself already. I did not have my birth certificate changed until about two weeks before that law passed. And it was a complete, total serendipity how it happened. Because my mm. birth certificate was changed because I was having trouble with the healthcare marketplace. <clears throat> so had that bill passed, and I don't know if it did, but you would it have did. been allowed. It did. It so, did. so you were permitted then to use yeah. the women's bathroom. That's correct. In fact, and you were one of the lucky ones then. Well, in fact, the ACLU wouldn't even take me on the case because they said, "Well, I'm not being denied the ability to use the bathroom that's according to my gender." And I said, "Well, that is true, but mm -hmm. the way these legislators have defined transgender people." They have literally taken away any safe place for any of us to use the bathroom because there were there were vigilantes here in North Carolina. And there was even a legislator who literally said that the special session to pass HB2 cost $42,000. And he said, I quote, if I see a transgender person coming out of the bathroom, it will cost them more than $42,000 in hospital bills. He said that Holy on the shit. floor of the Senate. That's that's gross. Yeah. Well, he's no longer a senator, but that's probably not why he was defeated. Mm, right. Because, you know, there are a lot. There are. I mean, listen, when this thing passed now, I moved here from Pennsylvania in 2014. And when this thing passed, a bunch of my friends from Pennsylvania were on the phone with me and they're just like, well, when are you coming home? And I'm like, don't you do that to me. Mm. I've lived in seven different states in my life. And I'm going to tell you, there are bigots and jerks in every last one of them. Right. But you know what? There's also a heck of a lot of good people in all of them, too. And there's right. a heck of a lot of good people right here in North Carolina. And I'm like, ah, I'm not leaving. This is my home, too. This is my home. They're but not going to drive me out. Right. Take up space, as the marginalized groups traditionally say, right? Well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like that particular phrase just because... It, implies, it makes you feel weird and different, well, right? It, it, yeah, it, it implies, implies that you're it, it implies taking no action, okay? Taking up space. I'm going to tell you something, too, okay? I'm going to tell you something. I grew up part of my childhood on my uncle's farm in Kankakee, Illinois. Now, do you want to know what happens when you put an odd-looking chicken in with all the other chickens? The uh, other chickens will peck the odd-looking one to death. I would like to think that we humans are a little bit more evolved than the chickens. But, you know, the way that we've been treated by society, especially yeah. lately, I really begin to wonder about that. Mm. Yeah, that's a powerful uh, metaphor. How old were you when you knew that you were trans? Well, I knew I was trans pretty much since I knew anything at all, but at what point I had the vocabulary to, to articulate that and the point at which I even knew that it was possible to have surgery and to reverse a lot of the effects of growing up male. Puberty, 
right? Right, exactly. I mean, I had to go through that. Puberty blockers weren't available for me when I was a teenager. I was born in 1971. I went to high school in Texas, okay? I mean, you know, just as a matter of survival, you had to learn how to fake it, okay? I had to fake a lot of stuff I didn't feel. So and you I, were after, how old are, so about how old are you when you realized you had this opportunity in this world of vocabulary and treatments? Well, I can tell you that I was 11 years old before I even knew there was another human being on the planet like me. Mm -hmm. And I found that out because I was talking to a therapist about what I'm feeling and that I like to dress up like a girl and so mm. on. And she used a word on me, which is now taboo in our community, but I'm going to use it here. She used the word transvestite. Okay. And being the precocious youth that I was, I looked the word up in the dictionary. This is 1982 now. And in 1982, Webster's Dictionary defined transvestism as the actor state of being dressed as a member of the opposite sex, which seemed pretty straightforward to me. And then transvestite as one who suffers from transvestism. And I'm like, who says I'm suffering? Mm. Always, I'm, I'm happy right. when I'm dressed like a girl. Right. You know, and, and then way to, and that, the way to gloss over the underlying issue but, in those definitions, what I'm right? Is it, it hit me when I read that. I'm like, my God, there's a word for it in the dictionary. Right. Nobody knew about this about me before. Mm. That means mm. there must be at least one other person on earth like me. My mission in life, find her. Mm -hmm. It took me until I was 18 years old before I met another person like me. And I wasn't until I was 21 that I knew that there were trans men, that this could go the other way. I mean, right. that is the experience right. I had growing up. And this is the experience that I will fight literally to the death to make sure that trans youth today do not have to have. So cutting to the chase, puberty blockers are a good thing for trans people. Is Absolutely. that fair? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they don't alter anything. All the, it's, it's nothing more than a pause button. If somebody is on puberty blockers and then decides that this isn't right for them and they're taken off the puberty blockers, their puberty will happen as normal and they'll develop into whatever they were going to develop into. Mm -hmm. It's okay. It's literally so it's, a pause button. So, and I'm just learning, you know, I'm learning. Mm -hmm. Is there there's puberty blockers and then there's hormone therapy, right? right. I would assume. Right. And yes, do they, yes, I would, they do they go hand in hand every time, basically? Generally, hormone therapy is not given to minors. So is the point of the puberty blockers to pause and then allow um, an 18-year-old to do hormone therapy? Correct, correct. And then that way you don't have like I had to go through a lot of expensive electrolysis to get rid of a lot of facial hair, which is also very painful as well as very expensive. Okay. And my voice deepened more than I would have liked to it. You know, what I'm speaking to you right now is a voice I've cultivated. I've had to learn how to speak this way. And this is a voice that is acceptable for a woman, but is not the squeaky door that most people you know expect from a woman. So a lot mm -hmm. of times on the phone, I'll get served. I've just learned how to deal with that. But you yeah. know, if there was a way that I could have made it so that my voice didn't deepen and my facial features didn't become more masculinized, mm. 
I would have had a much easier time in this world and less likely to be discriminated against. Mm -hmm. So do you think that the trans community is growing or is just coming out of the shadows? That's actually kind of a tough question. I and I guess it little, doesn't I, matter. I think, I think there's a little bit of both because those of us who came out early, like I came out in the early 90s, and I remember being the only trans person that people knew, knew of, heard of, spoke to, whatever. That's not the case when anyone comes out anymore. The thing is, is a lot of people didn't come out because it wasn't safe. It doesn't mean that they weren't trans. It just means that they were not publicly trans. Yeah. So, so you'd have to think that it was just, it's just a matter of... The question that I'm going to answer you is that publicly, yes, there are more trans people now because it's become a little safer. You mm -hmm. know, safety in numbers, as they say. But an increase in the occurrence of being trans? No, I don't think so. So what do we what do you say to these people, politicians and people who who just say, look, this stuff, I don't know how to process your existence. This doesn't compute with my religious and my my you know I just have a tough time with why, it. Why should I be obligated to compute to you? Why am I obligated to make myself into something that you understand? Why aren't mm. you required to make yourself into something I understand? That's a good question. And I'll say to that, I guess there is, I guess it's culture, right? Okay, I mean, and then I'm gonna ask, and then I'm gonna follow that up with another question. Let's assume for a second that your premise is a valid one that lines should be drawn for people in my community. Who draws them? Where are they drawn? Yeah. So let's get it. Yeah, let's get into the heart of that. Talk about the lines because that was my premise. And I, I do want to throw one other thing out there, right? Go now. ahead. Can we agree that the founding documents of this nation say that we are all entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Yes. Well, this is my pursuit of happiness. This is my pursuit of happiness. And I will also premise on one other thing. So take we, live in a, we live in a capitalist country. In order to live in a capitalist country, most of us need to have an income, which means having a job, which means having employment. If you deny employment to somebody like me because I'm trans, how is that not murder? How is that mm. not murder? Mm. For real. Yeah, no, those are good. And, and, you know, this is structured as a debate and we're about to spend 12 minutes or so talking about the lines. But me personally, I have always voted blue. I've always voted socially liberal, open minded. As I said in my intro, I grew up in a safe, white, mostly white at the time, certainly just kind of, you know, cookie cutter suburb. And you, you, you had the hand on the flag and transgender folks were not part of the discussion. Even in my, well, when I, I, would, I, I would only correct you to say that you grew up in what appeared to be safe. Mm -hmm, right. And how so, many times do we yeah. see these pedophiles and predators and purveyors of kitty porn? And what are they? White heterosexual males, right. almost exclusively. 
Yeah, actually, before we get into where we should draw the lines, tell me again about that experience you had, that horrible experience with this guy in the North Carolina State Courthouse or wherever it was. Literally, I mean, as a member of the public, I am allowed to be in the gallery of our... Why why do you think he was comparing trans people to pedophiles and... and Because he was was basically trying to whip up vigilantes against us. He was trying to justify his hateful vote. So that's got to just be ignorance, right? HB2 actually led to me running for my own state Senate in 2020. And I became the first openly trans person in the history of the state of North Carolina to do that. Did you get involved with the Victory Fund? Uh, the Victory Fund chose not to fund me. They, cho- they chose to fund a trans man who was running in a different district at the same time as I did. And I understood the reason for that because trans men had not gotten anywhere near the support or attention that trans women had. Mm. Interesting. Well, it's cool that you uh, don't have any grudges. No, absolutely not. And in fact, I'm actually very good friends with my former primary opponent. In cool. fact, after I lost my primary, I rolled up my sleeves and I helped her win in November. There's no hard feelings. Cool. Yeah. Well, politics, right? Well, you know, someone's got to win. Someone's got to lose. It's just the way it is. And right. in the case of my primary opponent, our agendas were so close. Yeah, you know, I'm a liar. I'd be a liar if I'd say I didn't wish it were me instead of her. But the fact is, is that the agenda was more important. Right on. So about the lines, I think you've convinced me. So hormone, do you think that hormone therapy should be reserved for people who are 18 and older? In most cases, yes. So I think you've convinced me that puberty blockers, if, as you say, they're simply a pause button. The conservatives will say, you're fucking with nature, man. I would and ask, that's an interesting one, right? If they've ever had a tummy tuck or a facelift or a bib job. Right. Because I, you know, I watched a great documentary called Agenda Revolution, hosted by Katie Carrick. Have you seen that one? Yeah. Yes. I was, I, I was made to watch it in one of my social justice classes that I took uh, in my last year of law school. Huh? You were I made was made to watch. watch. Okay. Absolutely. I didn't seek it out. I was made to watch it. It was an assignment in class. Okay. And I enjoyed it. I learned a lot from it. And I mean, I was already, I mean, I'm kind of weird because I'm open-minded and I'm respectful and I'm empathetic and I would never deny someone's reality. At the same time, I really like to see the conservative opinion and dig into it and say, these can't be scumbags. I got to understand why they're so well, afraid. I'll be perfectly honest with you. As long as the conservatives want to make me and my community public enemy number one, and they want to declare war on my community, then they have absolutely nothing to say that I'm interested in hearing. The whole entire rest of their agenda, their philosophy, their economic philosophy, anything. I don't want to hear a word they say until they stop targeting people like me. Because fair enough. Literally, yeah, fair enough. extermination. Well, that's kind of why I liked framing this conversation as where we should draw the lines. Because if we can figure that out and have an, a conversation about that, then maybe we can get rid of this. I'm going to call well, it. I want to figure out why you think why anyone thinks that they need to draw a line. So let's talk about it. So, like, okay, so that, let's, who, so 
And I'd like to know if that premise is true, who decides where those lines are drawn? Well, that's a good question. And now, now we're getting into like government structure and state legislatures. Should, should it be, should it be the state? I know. Should it be the state legislator? I mean, just like when you talk about abortion or shit, even, I mean, at the time when it was a, when it was that issue, um, segregation, you know, where should these things be decided? These moral issues, these civil rights issues, civil rights issues. And Federal level seems to be where civil rights issues get well, resolved. You want to know something? I don't think that really we should have to have any laws about that whatsoever. Because I'm going to say something. You know what? The only religion that this entire world needs is do unto others. If mm -hmm. you would not like to be treated in a manner that you're treating my community, if you would not like to have things that's going to require acceptance said to my community. If you would not like it done to you or said to you, then why the hell are you doing it or saying it to us? So there is a lot of sure uh, among the conservative community about like drag shows and having kids there. And my girlfriend loves drag shows. And, uh, and I'm going to be honest with you, I don't. Interesting. Uh, they love drag shows. I'm not saying they bring kids there, but so I, I, I know drag shows to be a form of entertainment, and that's fucking well, great. It's an art form, and I respect sure, the art. Sure, sure. So, so, personally, personally, me, I prefer the much rarer drag show that then which now exists, okay? There's a difference between what you call your camp queens, which are more common, which basically they, they exaggerate, okay? I prefer the ones that, like, try to look like real women. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, in my community, what we would say is that somebody like me, I prefer fish over ham. That's fish how we're huh. Okay. I, I don't have enough time to. Uh, uh, my mind is blown. What does okay, fish I, over I, ham mean? I, I, I got to Google it later. Art form. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, that was cool. So the lines up. And the conservatives. What is the conservative response when they, if you were to say, I'm, I'm a conservative now, and you said to me, just do unto others, man, leave me alone, you know, let, let others live. What if the conservative says, but it's not healthy? That's not your business. That's yeah. not your business. Yeah, I'd have to, agree. I have to agree with you. And if you're worried about your kids and you want to raise your kids in a box, that's certainly your right to do that. But you don't get to legislate my existence. Right. Because of your kids, you don't get to place limits on me. You are a parent. You control what your kids see. And you don't worry about what other people's kids see. You let those, their parents make that decision. Strong. Okay, so lines. We talked about puberty blockers and hormone therapy. I'm going to ride with you. If it is your opinion that the puberty blockers are okay, uh, obviously before puberty and then the hormone therapy in most cases is probably better reserved for people who are 18 and older. This sounds good to me. And, and then the conservatives will say, oh my God, Brian, like hormone therapy, it's, you know what you guys, if you want to call it playing God or, or, or messing with nature, look, maybe those people should go see Gender Revolution the documentary well, and i just take them back to have the, have they ever had a tummy tuck a facelift a facelift a boob job they even the bottom line with trans people is that this is a real existence right and it's, it's well, the brain is it the brain i know 
I know. I don't We're mean to people. even phrase it like that. And it's time to treat us like real people. I'm going to tell you right. what. I'm going to reveal for you today. I'm going to reveal to you the nefarious transgender agenda. Go for it. Number one, treat us like human beings. Number two, refer back to rule number one. That is the nefarious transgender agenda. Yeah, doesn't seem too scary to me. So, yeah, if it's just simply a matter of these Christo-fascists, and I, I use that term hesitantly because there are a few of them out there, but I don't, I don't like to paint with a broad brush. But they exist, and the Christo-fascists need to get that message. That's fair. So, bathrooms. So we talked about puberty blockers and hormone therapy. Bathrooms, and then we got to get into sports. Bathrooms, you told me your personal experience. Well, one thing I didn't tell you is because I got my birth certificate changed as quick as re, right around HB2 as I did. I literally had both a male and a female birth certificate in my possession. I could have literally jumped back and forth between bathrooms and just messed with their heads. I didn't do it, but I could have. So, so it's important, I take it, for a trans woman to use the women's restroom. Is that Absolutely. fair? Absolutely. If you're a trans woman, now if you're a trans man, you want to be using the men's bathroom. First of all, you know, why should we be forced to reveal that we're trans? Right. Okay. And secondly, putting someone like me in a men's bathroom, you're putting me in danger. Now, would you agree that every person deserves a measure of safety and security? Mm. Okay. And that's the premise on which HB2 was passed, which is a bogus premise because the actual pedophiles and the actual predators and the actual criminals are not going to allow a law to stand in their way when they are hell-bent on committing a criminal act. So that's why you started with the gun metaphor or the gun exactly. analogy. Exactly. Because Good. they say criminals won't obey the law, and yet they somehow think that criminals would magically obey HB2 or bills like it. Just because mm. they don't like them to to obey that law. No, it doesn't work that way. What about sports? What about sports? Are you a Caitlyn Jenner type of opinion uh, in regard to uh, trans youth I, in sports? I, I and what do you think about Caitlyn? Don't even open that door. I mean, I don't have gotta, much, I don't have much kind to say about Caitlyn Jenner. So don't. Why? What's her deal? We have a minute to talk about Caitlyn and sports. Come, <laughs> use it. Use it to to tell me. Well, basically. The puberty blockers that you take, they stop the advantage that puberty would give to a born male child. So that's how you can draw the line. If you've received this treatment, puberty blockers, is that is that what I'm hearing? Then that, that, That's what you're hearing, yeah. And I'll tell you what, I never was on puberty blockers, but when I started on hormone therapy, female hormones, I lost about 40% of my upper body strength. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have the advantage that they think you do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this. Do you know who Renee Richards was? No. Renee Richards played professional women's tennis in the 1970s. And she did not, I repeat, did not dominate her cisgender female competitors. Mm -hmm. So would you agree that there is line drawing that has to be done collectively as a unit, as a nation of people that respect each other? Or is it as simple as... Hey, Brian, fuck off with your line drawing premise and just treat us like humans. Well, I just think that if all of us in society would just 
and you've been muted by the moderation software. That's how it goes. But you'll, in 50 seconds, you'll be able to make your closing. Um, wow. So you're right. We need a lot more than 30 minutes to talk about this. And I hope, uh, first of all, thank you for joining me. And I hope we can do it again. Yeah, there's so much to explore, but I appreciate, you know, where we did get in terms of, and for me to wrap it up, it's like, okay, the puberty blocking hormone therapy stuff. Um, I'm going to have to say, hey, that's medical treatment. And who am I to say that someone shouldn't have it, especially if the parents are. Now, an interesting question is what if the parents don't? Uh, that and what, and, but uh, maybe you can address that in your closing. What, would a, what should a trans youth do if their parents don't accept them? That's got to be really, really hard. But yeah, there's a lot to think about. I come from a place of compassion and empathy. At least I like to think I do. And uh, that's the bottom line. Well, parents that don't approve, first of all, they could have a dead son or a live daughter. Or in the case of a trans man, they could have a dead daughter or a live son. You know, which would they prefer? But there's also legal avenues, one of those being emancipation. And if there are other family members who do accept them and support them, they could perhaps be emancipated to the custody of those who do. The fact is, is that denying this treatment to transgender people leads to death. It leads to suicides. Over 40% of trans youth have attempted or succeeded in committing suicide. And that is tra that's the tragedy right there all that lost life. Yeah, that was a really compelling final word from Angela. So thank you so much to her. And I'm looking so much forward to our long form conversation, which will be coming soon. Likely that'll be a couple weeks from now. I do have some other great guests lined up. So stay tuned. Thanks so much for listening.